We're talking today with Antisense Therapeutics, ASX code AMP. It's got a market cap around $57 million. The company is developing and commercialising Antisense Pharmaceuticals for large unmet markets and rare diseases. We have with us Dr. Charmaine Gittleson, who is the company chair, and Anthony Philippus, who is the company's new chief commercial officer. Now, before we start, a little background into the biotech sector, which over the last 12 months has moved from one extreme to the other, from spectacular fundraising success during the pandemic to a spectacular crash over the last 12 to 18 months. Investors are, however, starting to return to the more promising parts of the listed biotech sector. Uh, the upcoming JP Morgan conference in January could be seen as a potential catalyst for an uplift in sentiment across the sector. JP Morgan has certainly provided the sector with a boost in the past, and this will be the first time in a couple of years that attendance won't be restricted by the pandemic. It also appears that M&A activity is on the rise, with big drug, drug makers now sitting on almost $300 billion of cash, and many, including Merck and Bristol-Myers Squibb, need to refill their pipelines because of major patent expiries in the second half of the decade. Of course, successful biotechs are usually bought out by big pharmaceutical companies who have the financial muscle to fund large phase three clinical trials and commercialise successful treatments. Overnight, for example, Johnson Johnson said it struck a deal to buy heart pump maker Abiomed for $16.5 billion in cash, a 50% premium to the share price. The reality is, however, that it's been a very difficult sector over the last 12 months, and biotechs on the ASX have been no exception. Of course, healthcare and life science sectors aren't going away. It's literally the only industry whose intention is to save lives or improve the lives of people with critical illnesses. It's important work. We have both with us today Dr. Charmaine Gillison, as I said, and Dr. Anthony Philippus with us today, and they can help us get more insights into Antisense, the sector, and the US industry dynamics. Anthony, welcome to the network. Charmaine, nice to see you again. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Tim. Now, as we just discussed in our intro, it's been a really tough environment for biotechs and the industry in a, a whole, both here in Australia and offshore, of course. What are your thoughts on Antisense progress over the last 12 months? Look, we have made progress. I know that the progress that's been made has not been reflected in the share price, and, and that has affected particularly retail investor sentiment. I'm very aware of that. It concerns me. Um, but in terms of the actual progress we've made as an organisation, I think importantly, what we've been able to do is find a way to move forward and to move back into the clinic. And a lot of effort has gone into this year trying to access capital in the markets. And while there is some capital available, the, the structures, the deal structures, you know, almost require you to sell your soul. Deep discounts required in, 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 you know, in order to access capital. And we've not felt that that's been the best interests of the shareholders. So we've worked through a strategy of how we can utilize the funds that we have at our, at our, at our, at our discretion to use them to get ourselves back into the, into the clinic. That's the most important thing. It's going to be the data from the, from the patients, from the boys that is going to be, um, uh, what we can leverage, it really is going to make the difference. Now, Anthony, you're new to Antisense. Can we, we start by talking a little bit about your background and, and followed by what, what originally attracted you to join the company? Yeah, sure, Tim. Um, so obviously I was CEO and MD at NSV since 2017. Uh, prior to NSV, um, I've been an accomplished CEO and C-suite executive um, for over the last 25 years. Uh, in the biotech um, space, um, both ASX listed and private companies. I sit on um, a number of boards, um, have chaired committees um, as well. In terms of 
attraction to Antisense or what attracted me to the role. Um, uh, there was a lot of factors, clearly. Um, uh, I think not only personal growth, but I think also from a company perspective, um, uh, you know, they've, they've got late stage asset in ATEL 1102. Um, uh, there's a few companies obviously that have got late stage assets, but there's not many of them in the Australian market. Um, so I'm really excited about, you know, working with a phase 2B ready drug in HL 1102 for DMD. Um, and the other thing that also um, uh, attracted me to the role was obviously the um, uh, the data that's been coming out regarding long COVID. Um, uh, you know, the I think a third of people with COVID go on to develop neurological um, complications. Um, some of those complications really are around um, inflammation of the brain and, and brain fog that it goes goes with that. So I think there's, you know, through the identification of these um, elusive um, uh, biomarkers, uh, there's a diagnostic and a therapeutic angle as, as well that I think can be um, uh, looked at. So I'm really excited about that opportunity as well. Charmaine, putting aside uh, industry dynamics, uh, dynamics for the moment, um, Antisense have their AGM coming up and uh, the company's putting in place a new employee share option plan post its expiry, uh, which expires in December 2022. Uh, is this how you attract new talent, uh, someone like Anthony, for example? So I wouldn't describe it as new um, because it is the same employee share option plan. Uh, and as you said, it expires in December 22. It's something that gets renewed every three years and as such needs to go to an AGM as a resolution to be voted on. But yes, it's very much standard to use options and shares to attract talent and importantly to retain talent. And the important thing to note though, even though management and directors come under an employee share plan, um, there's a subtle difference not always appreciated. So it's at the discretion of the board to issue shares and options to management, but it's not at their discretion to issue them to themselves. And so if the board is to receive shares or options, it has to come forward as a separate resolution. So separate to the one that we put forward now, it has to come forward as a separate resolution named for each director. And as you'll see, there aren't any uh, this year for named directors. And I don't believe that there were for, for last year. I'm a firm believer in the organization performing, doing well, and then people being rewarded with, with shares and options. So um, as a board, we've not put that forward for ourselves uh, as, a, as an, a reward this year, but it is an important incentive and it will be something that we, we will be using over the next year to attract people to the board um, as, and the organization and to retain our key talent. Charmaine, including the AGM is a resolution in regards to a new placement capacity, which appears to be fairly standard AGM procedure for a biotech. How can shareholders reconcile the employee share scheme and the placement facility? It's a good question. And I know the, the legalese language in there can be circuitous, quite tough to get one's head around. And, and certainly over the years, it's taken me time. So the placement is something that actually is there every year in an AGM for, for most organisations, and it's a facility that the ASX makes available. It's particularly useful uh, to, to smaller organisations because it provides flexibility in financial management. So that's why it's there, and uh, we've had it each year. Um, it's, it's been passed each year. It's not something that is used 
for a share plan, you know, uh, uh, what we were discussing beforehand, the employee um, share and options plan, it's completely separate from that. And, and Anthony, can you give us some examples of, of how you plan to leverage, use your previous experience in the world of biotechs to kind of help uh, Antisense achieve its goals moving forward? Yeah, look, uh, Tim, I guess I've been pretty fortunate um, uh, throughout my career. Um, uh, obviously, I've done many, many deals. Um, and I think, you know, I've developed uh, some really good contacts um, within the biotech, pharma uh, and investment uh, circles. So I think um, I can bring all of those co connections um, to Antisense and, and hope, hopefully some of those will play a crucial role um, in Antisense's development. I think one area that will be really important to ensure that Antisense, um, uh, you know, achieves its goals is to really um, uh, look at the US market um, and have a real focus on the US market, not only from a partnering perspective, but also from a capital markets perspective. Um, and I think with a drug such as H1102 for DMD, that's where you're going to have to play. Um, I think there'll be obviously a lot of discussion um, uh, around what the best commercialization plan will be in the US. Um, and it may be that, you know, something like a potential listing um, in the US might be something to consider as well. Thanks, Anthony and Charmaine for your time.